Welcome, book lovers. We are here once again. Phil Spitek and myself are reading Water for Elephants by Sarah Gruen. Um, a 2006 book. I remember when the movie came out and never heard that it heard of the story never heard of this author until the movie came out and then i was like oh of course it's based on a book um and i've had this book actually for like the better part of a year and i just haven't gotten to it and i wanted to and but like i heard good things about it so i was like all right let's do it and here we are water for elephants so phil what were your quick thoughts about it so overall i i really enjoyed it I thought there were parts that frustrated me at times, but I think it all made up for it because she really stuck the landing. If if it got a little too messy towards the end, I wouldn't have, you know, I'd have been like, ah, whatever. But but overall, yeah, um, really good job. Like I think I, I love her writing style and I love what's happening in the story. There's just a couple of things that happen that, I, you know, I think, I don't know, I was just frustrated by it. But, Overall, really enjoyable. Definitely, you can tell the amount of research that went into this. Uh, it mm-hmm. felt like a very real thing, even though it was a fiction, obviously. And yeah, I, I, I just loved it overall um, from that perspective, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, this book is uh, takes place in, in the 30s. It's definitely during the Great Depression era, so like... Money's not really like the big end all be all in in this because it just shows this this completely different world when it comes to the circus life that I'd like to think safely to say that you and I really don't know that much of. And it kind of engrosses us in this lifestyle that you normally wouldn't think. And you don't really see a lot of circuses these days anyways. I mean, with the whole animal rights and all that and just performance and how just the ideas of circus like came to be. Um, there were a lot of protests when that came out. Um, so it, it was for me as a reader, I, I I always thought it was interesting to like get a glimpse of this life that I probably wouldn't get any information of just in today's time because it's not as accessible. Circuses aren't as accessible and aren't as known as we we knew them back in like the 1800s and 1900s. Um, yeah, I think nowadays you get more of, I don't know, a carnival rather than like a circus, you know, like they bring yeah. these sort of rides and attractions or like, you know, you go to an October or, a, you know, hay maze or something like that. So you get more of that stuff versus a true circus. Yeah. Like carnivals, fairs where, you know, yeah. you, you, you kind of get that, the carny lifestyle where it's more games and more interactive in that way, but very it's not really about the performances anymore. It's just about the activities that are involved. Um, and I think circuses are definitely a dying uh, art, uh, but I know there are some out there. There was <laughs> growing up in my small hometown where like nothing ever comes through that town. And if there was ever a fair, it was always like 30 minutes away from me, not in my town. But the circus did come through one year when I was in high school. And it, of course, it was the talk of the town. Everyone went to it, it had a big tent. I didn't go because I was working that night. But um, just the the excitement that everyone was talking about it for a week. And uh, like, I haven't seen that 
to for this big event because they were such a big thing back in the 1800s 1900s that like everyone loved the circus everyone wanted to go everyone talked about it and after they went they're still talking about it um and we just don't see that anymore yeah and, and you know uh, i mean it's a it's I a fascinating it's a yeah, fascinating no, no, book from that perspective um because it does start off quote unquote modern day and in fact what i love about you you and i have the same edition of the book um at the end not only does it have an interview with the author but it has like reading questions right and i was going mm -hmm. over those and one of the things that it says was how do you think you know we can maintain part of our history i forget exactly how it's worded but because the book starts off with um jacob as either a 90 year old or 93 year old yes that is a through line because he doesn't know yeah and you know he's kind of recounting the story of you know his youth essentially and uh, uh, you know, uh, in his twenties, and so there's that grappling of that all of this is like lost knowledge, you know, um, sort of a thing. And how do you like keep that fresh and top of mind? And that was what the crux of the question was about. And I think the way to keep it alive is obviously you know through writing stories and like this. And it's not just to for the sake of keeping it alive, but I think you know that that age old thing of we don't want history to repeat itself you know and if we forget our history then we're doomed to repeat it um but yeah you know um i thought it what you know we'll also talk about the movie in comparison but i thought what what made the movie what was strong about the movie was it it made me more top of mind remember that we are in the depression and so therefore like it was a fight for survival whereas certainly it was there in the undercurrents of the book but because so much other stuff was also going on, it wasn't like top of top of mind, you know? Like I knew it was yeah, like, oh, the Great Depression, but like the scramble, this theme of like just survive wasn't as prominent, I don't think, for me. Right. I, f I felt that too, because reading it, as, uh, when I first knowing it was about the Depression, I think my only other instance of me really knowing about the Depression would be like, yes, we know the stock market crashed, but also I think, have you ever seen the movie Cinderella Man? Yes. Um, and Long that story is like, yeah, that was definitely during the Great Depression. And we saw how it affected the the economy, this particular family in that story. And that's really like my only exposure to like how vastly impactful that was to, to everybody. So I was kind of like going into this story thinking like, oh, great, uh, like oh, turmoil in, in that sense. But it didn't really feel like the Great Depression was like the catalyst of the story. It just felt like it was just during the era in which they were, it didn't motivate them in that way because everybody's lifestyles, and we'll get to the characters, but everyone's um, lifestyle within the circus wasn't really motivated other than the, the owner by money. It was just like their job. This is what they were doing. Um, yeah, I mean, that aspect of it, it yeah. felt like, like him swindling people was not a byproduct of the depression it was a byproduct of he was always going to swindle people you know yeah it was just him yeah. as a person um so yeah like you were saying uh we had this main character jacob and we get the two different perspectives we get the older guy um him in his in his 90s either 91 or 93 year old reflecting on his youth in the 20s where young jacob happens to jump on a train 
during the Great Depression, he he's a veterinarian about to finish um, and get his degree. Uh, unfortunately, life threw a curveball at him. He lost both of his parents and he's just spiraling in, in that way. And he's grieving so much that he finds himself just wandering through life, ends up j- jumping on a train and it ends up being this Benzini train. Well, it's, it's one of those things like um, he has nothing else, right? So he was going to be a vet with his father. Um, so he's like entering the family business. But then, you know, because he lost his parents, not only that, he lost his home because the home was not paid off. It was a debt against the dad's business. And that's where, like, if anything, this is where the depression came in was because, you know, the father wasn't necessarily accepting payment because not people couldn't afford to pay him. So he accepted like chickens and eggs and stuff like that. Um, and, And because of that, that left him in a position of, wow, I really have nothing. No assets, no financial stability. Um, Yeah, and and that's how the the financial aspect like really affected Jacob's life where they had to take a mortgage out so they can put him through Cornell, um, you know, top university there. And like, but then as we progress along the storyline, it really didn't become about money or class even in that way. It was just about your talent and ability when it came. And then then I think that's the thing when it comes to the circus, that's what um, your specific qualities about you is what makes you stand out at a circus. And uh, he, so he jumps on this Benzini brothers, most spectacular show on earth circus train. And he gets, he gets uh, into the, the presence of, um, I mean, well, in the story, we have Uncle Al, who's the owner of the circus. And but he really Jacob really spends a lot more time with August. And so what was your thoughts of first Uncle Al, the owner? So, I mean, this was quite indicative of the whole thing. Right. So it's the Benzini brothers, yada, yada, yada. Of course, there are no Benzini brothers. Nope. (laughs) It's just Uncle Al. And, you know, that's an aspect. So this. It's all facade, right? It's all for show. And that's all this ever is. Um, And that sort of trickles all the way down. Like as long as everything appears on the up and up, hunky-dory, we're good. And certainly August is a representation of that. I mean, you know, kind of to, you know, knowing what we know about him by the end, you know, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. And so that aspect of it, it's like, okay, you know, that's a serious condition. And certainly there are ways to be able to handle that and so forth. But as long as it doesn't interfere with the business side of it, whatever, we'll manage it for that side of it, right? Not really about him as a person or, or caring, right? And that's the other, like Uncle Al, you know, we're all family until it doesn't serve the business, right? And and so right. as we're even just talking about it, right? Like this is what the beautiful thing about it is, you know, you and I have lived through <laughs> not not necessarily quote unquote depressions, but certainly market crashes. Recessions. <laughs> yeah, market crashes. Yeah. Um, so that whole aspect, you know, at any moment, you know, student debt is at an all time high. And yeah, you know, the toxic sort of work thing is like, oh, we're all family, we're all family until you have to do layoffs and it's like none of it really matters. So, you know, those aspects tie in very easily. And that's why I think, you know, you can 
certainly just look at it from that perspective. But yeah, you know, all it trickles all the way down of Uncle Al's shortcomings down to the last every single one of them. And much like I think in true society, you know, the even the performers that are on the lower end of the spectrum and, and certainly the the rustabouts, you know, they're just doing the dirty work and, you know, they get some praise, but not really. It's 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 genuine. Most half of them aren't even getting paid ever. Yeah. They're just there. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing about Uncle Al and August um, bleeding into both of these kind of characters that Jacob, our main protagonist, he seems like he's so young and so kind of I don't want to say naive, but he's just like you can tell he's a good person. He cares about animals. He cares about animal rights. And then bleeding into humans, he cares about the ethical rights of what's ethical and what's not ethical at the circus. Then he happens to work with Uncle Al and August, who kind of disregard all of that. Like August, big on um, animal abuse. Uncle Al, big on unethical um, maintenance of humans and his workforce not paying people, throwing people off of the trains when he can't when he can't afford more people. So instead of paying them, he just throws them off the train. And you can assume that they, they died or so like so murder's not not beneath him in, in that sense. So you, you get like Jacob who's so good and pure as a person, and then you get Uncle Alan August who, who don't care at all in that aspect. And I think that's a I don't want to say nice dichotomy, but it's an interesting foils and oppositions for each other. And that's what makes a good protagonist and antagonist. Yeah. And I think, I think there's like a, I don't know, look, just thinking about it now, like there's a spectrum of you have Jacob on one hand, who's quite the virgin, literally and figuratively. Yeah. You have Marlena, you know, kind of somewhere there. Then you have August somewhere in the middle ish there as well. And then you have uncle Al. And Marlena being the wife of August and the the love interest for for our young Jacob, of course. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think about Marlena being like the star attraction of the circus, of course, exploiting her for her good looks? But also, when you're reading her character, I don't know about you, but for me, I was like, what are you doing with August? You're You're clearly, you're a good person. How did you end up on this train and end up with such a a terrible guy what are you doing girl yeah i mean we, we we do get that backstory of that um and i think unfortunately it's one of those cases of just a bad decision you make in your 20s that you're living out the consequences with because as you talked about the allure of the circus you know that's what she kind of fell in love with and you know certainly there is a good side to august right like i mean he's you know, Mr. Hyde and Dr. or Dr. Dr. Hyde and Mr. Jack. Dr. Hyde. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, the it's duality. Mr. Of, no, it's Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. That's it. And so, you know, there's a good side and a bad side to him. And certainly she saw just the good side pre-marriage, then she married him. And now she's seeing a lot more of the colors and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like whenever it comes to spousal abuse in any capacity, it's very evident for people outside of it. But, it, you know, while you're in it, it's very much that frog in boiling water where the frog's not going to notice until it's too late. And mm -hmm. as 
as like, I mean, one of the most hitting lines in the entire thing is, well, I knew he did stuff, but he never hit me essentially. And so it's like, in a, like, it's a weird boundary to draw of like, you know, yeah, he's bad, but I didn't suffer. Yeah, but I'm not at the the brunt of it. And also, again, I think you do have to, um, you have to remember the times that they're in. It's Great Depression, so maybe as a woman, that fight for survival, knowing if she's stuck with the circus, she has a job, she has some financial stability, she has people taking care of her, in a sense. So it it could just be um, she's just there because she's no she can keep going. If she left the circus, does she have that backup plan? Like, can she survive oh, there's no on backup. her own? Yeah, I mean, exactly. her like she would have to. Her the the only like option would be to find somebody else. But certainly, her family, as soon as she made the choice, she did. They cut her off. They're like, you're never returning to us mm-hmm. again. We're not supporting you. Um, and this was it, it. Was not only about the circus, but the fact that August was Jewish. You know, and so there was that anti-semitic sort of side to it um yeah. as well so and i so think it's that's... like it, you, sorry sorry it's like you can understand her reason why she stays yeah um because she has nothing to go back to and that and also like it does in a sense make you see august right and where like before knowing the the big reveal you know i could kind of look at it and not that I am justifying it in any sense, but like the hardships that August has been through, you can kind of see why he's a little rough around the edges, you know? And certainly from that perspective of like, of just dealing with, just take anti-Semitism alone, right? Um, that could create a certain amount of anger in somebody. And, you know, it's not like they're going to therapy to, to unpack that trauma, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's just with with August because, uh, like, I, I don't know. Every time I kept reading him, I was like, "Oh, you're such a terrible person." But I under I understand your critical role within the circus. Like, we do need you to help keep the show going. Um, you know, you are the director in in that way. Um, and like, like you do have this role that. Uh, that we all have to put up with, but also when we get Rosie the Elephant, which is like quite honestly the star of like the the entire book, I was like, oh, poor Rosie, and he's a, and she's an elephant. Uh, but the way that August treats Rosie, you just know that he's not a good person because if he treats animals like that, you can imagine how he treats humans. Yeah, and, and uh, you know. Certainly, yeah. like an interesting character was uh, Walt Walter, who Jacob has to end up sleeping with. Like you know, they're they're on the train together, and that's their living quarters. Yeah. And at first, Walter does not like Jacob whatsoever, and then they kind of grow together more and more. And yeah, there, there, there's a interesting bond there. And even at a certain point, Jacob is half justifying. August's actions and Walter's is like he's a dick. Like yeah. he just knows he's a dick. Yeah, you know, there's nothing more to and, him. And that's the thing you you see with all these uh, other performers, uh, other people part of the circus is like they all know what's happening at the circus, but they also just 
turn their cheek the other way, which is also really unfortunate because, again, with the whole survival, they're like, we're just here. We're here doing a job. Doesn't mean we approve of everything that's happening, but it is what it is kind of thing. They're like, just keep keep doing your job and keep getting fed and you'll be fine. Yeah, and that, that was the thing, like, you know, reading, like, for them, you know, as soon as they're stopped, then they're working, right? But, you know, once they're on, like, their their favorite time really was when the train was just going, because mm-hmm. they could get drunk, have fun. And yeah, I mean, uh, they they got to eat for free, and they got free booze. So like, you know, at the end of the day, in terms of when you talk about survival, their liver, living quarters weren't great, but at least they got to live somewhere and then got fed. So, you know, from Uncle Al's perspective, what else do they need? Yeah, yeah. And like you can see when you take out just Uncle Al in August and you see the performers actually like bonding together, you can see the like this family unit. It is that um, we're in this together. We're experiencing this together. And like we enjoy actually being together. because Yeah, they are trauma (laughs) bonding. I mean, you said it. uh, but like they, they really are. But um, when you take out the the two sole antagonists, you can actually see these these people are they're they're just like regular everyday people who love hanging out with their friends, who love having fun when during their free time, and like that's what I think you can see why they stuck there at the circus for so so long because yeah, like if you forget about all the animal abuse and unethicalness, like. They were people who generally enjoyed each other's presence. Yeah. I thought, like, for me, the frustrating parts of the book, one of them was, like, just Jacob's inaction overall, which I'm glad the movie addressed. They seem to give Jacob in the movie a lot more of a good-natured spirit where he actually tried to do some stuff Mm -hmm. and just failed at it versus, like, in the book, it's very much like, I would wish I'd done something to help Rosie. But I didn't. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, I think that was the good thing with um, the movie, too, now that we're like exploring both, is that you can see Jacob's inner conflict. He, You can see him witnessing everything that's happening. But because he is so new to the circus, it's one of those like, I don't want to step on each other's toes or anybody's toes yet because I am so new. I don't know my place yet. So I was like, oh, okay. Just like he's getting his bearings of... Uh, of the rules and regulations and just the the everyday life of the circus so he's learning that but then as the story progresses he's like no we got to do this for the animals or this is how this is the best way to go about it it's like he he just had to spend enough time to learn everything first before he can actually you know take assertiveness and direction yeah and then the the, because certainly rosie plays a huge part in it but he loved the horses bobo um he loved Bobo. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and they all created this bond with him. You know, he would go back and Rosie would look at him with these sort of sad puppy dog eyes of like, why weren't you there? Sort of a thing. Right. And, yeah. Had I met you years earlier. Yeah. And so, you know, he really kind of, that, I mean, that's the story. He rises to that the occasions as it were to help protect all of them. And and it certainly puts him in grave danger because at a certain point, right. As things continue to spiral, his, the easy decision is for him to just get away 
and everyone's telling him quite literally, like, get away. And he's like, no, I've got, I've got Marlena and I've got the animals. Oh, and we just bought the horses <laughs> and, yeah. all, and all that, you know, like we got to take care of all of it. So Yeah. It's like, who's going to, because we know how they're going to be treated if you leave that to uncle Al in August in that way. And, and it's also like with the progression of the story, you can see more and more people are quote unquote disappearing from the train. So they know what's happening. They know there are murders going on. They're like, all right, we got to do something. We know it's these guys that are causing all this. What we, it's like, we can't take them on. I like, I can't take them on my own. I, we got to do this together. So you see that, um, uh, we're, we're all in the, all in this together kind of, uh, mentality in that sense of the circus. Yeah. What about what, uh, uh, you know, should we talk about the yeah. romance? Cause obviously that's a big central component to all the offshoots of everything else. Yeah, do let's. So we have Marlena and Jacob. Did you feel like this was a genuine romance or do you honestly feel like it was like a romance of convenience just because he's the new guy, she um she's the guy that like, oh, he's actually a good guy compared to the guy that I've been married to for the past X amount of years. Yeah. Did I mean, you I like this romance? I mean, I didn't dislike it, right? Like, I, th I think if anything, the movie helped heighten it a little bit um, because there was that initial um, pushing against, you know, Jacob. And then, you know, the way, like, we'll talk more about the differences and the similarities, but I think they handled it a little bit better because in the book, it kind of was highlighted as this instant attraction. And in fact, Marlena says as much later on. So it's, to me, it's not... I didn't have an issue with the romance. What what I, if anything that I ended up having an issue with was, you know, by the end, we go through this entire thing and then they return to the circus and all is well and good. Right. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have returned to the circus, but like it didn't highlight to me what was the magical aspects of the circus that they liked. I mean, I, I guess the performance side of it without the BS, sure. But it's not like they work. They, they went on to work for the Ringling Brothers, right? So mm -hmm. it's not like I know specifically that the Ringling Brothers themselves are this haven of just goodness, right? And at the end of the day, like, I mean, he's 93 years old reflecting back on it. They were only in the circus for seven more years. So it's not like he lived out his career as, you know, within the circus. So that's if I had any issues, it was with that. Um, as far as their romance, you know, I, uh, you know, he was young and he was smart, uh, this Cornell guy and supposedly good looking. So I, I didn't have a problem with it, you know, and, and especially for a woman, it's not like, it's not like she was in a happy marriage and just had these wandering eyes. It was very much like she knew the realities of like, whoa, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the the good thing about the book is that also you can see the the slow progression of how they get to the point of where they respect each other, where you can tell Marlena respected Jacob's um, veterinarian skills and abilities, and um, in just working together over all the time naturally, you just build this bond, and you get to the point where Marlena's like, okay, no, Jacob's actually a good guy. Um, he cares about people. He cares about animals. He treats me right. And uh, just with the every interaction, you can see more and more attraction 
And that's what I liked about the the genuine building of the romance too. When it comes to the movie, it's a little bit different. Now I don't know if it's just because of the age difference. And we usually, for the most part, majority of the time we see the the guy is older than the girl when it comes to actual casting of like with age difference. And this time it's actually opposite. Reese Witherspoon is thirty six at the at the age she was when she was in Water for Elephants, and uh, Robert Patterson is in his early 20s. I think he's 20. I mean, you guys got to do the math, but I think he's like 23 or 24. This was early days for him. Yeah, this was when he was in the zeitgeist of Twilight Days. This was like in between, like, I think, movie two and three of the Twilight. So, like, he was at the height of his fanboy fangirl population um popularity uh so you can understand why they casted him because it would be a big attraction to this this movie but i don't know it kind of was off-putting for me even though they are both beautiful in and of themselves but i don't think it was a great pairing yeah i mean marlena is older right so i don't think i had issues with that i i think so just to just to kind of talk about it in this sense so they lumped together uncle al and august in the movie and they made this him this weird hybrid for christoph waltz so then christoph waltz is married to reese witherspoon and then you have robert pattinson um as jacob and individually three amazing actors i really mean that like you know people can Mm -hmm. think whatever about robert in terms of the twilight movies but he's shown his chops right like Good Time and uh, certainly The Batman and, uh, you know, Tenet. Yeah, so they forth. all can act. Yeah. yeah. I just think, and I, I don't mind them compressing Uncle Al with August. I thought, fine, you know, you're trying to compress the story within a two-hour movie. I'm yeah. all for it. I, I think that the choices from a storytelling perspective they made were great. Fine. I just, this trio, I didn't buy them what's i don't know it's just something about um i don't know that that, the movie if i had any one issue with the movie it was just their pairing together Hmm. was just wrong for me do you think it's because they're all such strong actors themselves that they kind of i don't don't think it's that i think i think it starts with like christoph waltz doesn't exude this like person that Marlena would fall in love with like this feels very much like I'm trapped in a loveless marriage because I had no other options and yet I did because I fell in love with him you know like I I'm trying to think of like like even like a Tom Cruise right like I could see a woman falling for a Tom Cruise type or something I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out any other name like Christoph Waltz does not exude sex energy to me unfortunately yeah. for him sorry no he doesn't no he he really doesn't no i i i understand that because there were moments in the movie where i don't think it was really in the book um uh, but correct me if i'm wrong uh that there were moments where august would have like an emotional kind of like he's super angry or so something's happening and marlene is there trying to calm him down as a person like no honey um you're okay you're with me i love you you're fine. You know, like she's as a wife, she's trying to calm down her husband. And it don't I don't think that really translated well on screen when it became Christoph Waltz and Reese Witherspoon. And I don't think the chemistry was there 
as a believable couple that who's actually in a romantic love marriage because they just they they just kind of repelled each other and i didn't believe that that marlena would ever fall in love with august yeah and from the movie perspective again just i don't know nothing against reese and robert but like i just there wasn't that sort of attraction where like i'm rooting for these guys and and again it has nothing to do with the fact that she was the older woman who was younger um just not yeah unfortunately you know but i think yeah. everything else about it yeah just very strange casting but but as a, as a romance within the book i thought it worked again just overall it's you know i had my issues with jacob's passivity in the book and then um you know free the whole wrapping of the bow with jacob as a 93 year old in the book you know i was like wait so they live essentially happily ever after why I, I, it was just like that. I don't understand your love of the circus. Like all you saw was abused animals and everything yeah. else. Like what made you want to go to the circus again? I questioned that too. I'm I'm glad you're not the only one uh, because we see at the the tail end of of the story and and also of the movie where you see the older Jacob was like I I'm home. This is what I've always loved. Just. Uh, if there's any part where I could just be part of the circus again, let me, you know, like, what was he, like, a ticket person? Like, a, like, where, like a stub taker. Yeah, or like, where he, like, rips the, the ticket stubs. So, like, he's he's part of the circus again, just that world. And I, I agree, too, that I was like, but what part really made you feel like home other than, like, hanging out with the occasional performers getting drunk? It's like, it, was that so impactful to you that you had to be part of the circus again? Um, yeah. And that was the thing, I, like, I, I initially, as I was there. reading it, I thought it would be a recollection of a career in in the circus, right? And I'm not saying it's it, it, it's wrong for having made the choice that it did, but very, like I said, I mean, all in, he spent eight years in the circus. And when you're 93... That's not a lot of time spent in the circus. Right. And we only got one year of actual detail from it. That didn't seem that great. Yeah. Apart from the sex. Sex must have been great. Go for it. Sure. I guess it was. I mean, Marlena knew what she was doing. Um, And they had five kids. Yeah, they did. Uh, but it's like the the animal abuse, the unethicalness of throwing people off a train, not getting paid properly, or like the humanity of of it all, or the inhumanity, really. Um, it's like it's not something to <laughs> uh, be like excited to go back to the circus after you can assume like seventy plus years. But there is something about doing something in your twenties. I think you and I both know. Uh, doing something that was like so impactful to you that no matter what, no matter how many years pass from once you finish, it will still always be a part of your life. I just don't I know if that. it had such a positive impact on him. I think if anything, it was hinted at both in the book and in the movie. I just, I just think like it, if anything, it just should have hit the nail on the co- coffin or whatever sort of thing with this more was that he just loved the actual watching of the performances you know what i mean like in Mm -hmm. spite of all of it you know there's that magic when you're watching marlena or whoever 
do these things? Because that's obviously from the audience perspective, that's what they love, right? And I think if, if it just, you know, made that more on the nose, yeah, and then okay. it's like, I get it. I get it. You know, like you just have this love of you're drawn to this, like, you know, even as a moth to a flame, you just can't help but see the wonderful performances. Right. And I think that's what I mean, you, you can applause for how long it took me to bring up this reference. The Greatest Showman did better in the movie where no matter how they put it together, they they really drove in that point where like, this is we do it for the audience. We do it for the performance. We do it for the love of just being together in performance. And you can see how the what the audience takes away. You can see that spectacle. And I didn't see it with August. Like every once in a while we in the movie, we got like that points where he's watching, he's smiling, he's enjoying it. But like, okay, great. The performance is over. But Greatest Showman, like that's the only thing you talk about is like the audience leaves with a smile and they they feel better once they leave. Like they hit upon the that so much better than this movie and the story did. Um, and if it was for that aspect that kept Jacob going to keep going back to the circus, I could understand that, but they didn't. It wasn't that obvious. Yeah, and, it, and certainly like the misadventures of them, he, he, it didn't feel like it was ultimately a positive experience. Like even when he lost his virginity, he was essentially shaved and stuffed into a crate, <laughs> you know? And like the it's next not day. Like, and it's not like he wanted to lose his virginity with the people that he did, right? So... Mm. It's just, yeah, it, it's one of those things of like, huh, so you had a good time, huh? Like, Interesting. Okay, I, I, I did it. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm also curious because the book does it a lot more, and it is one of the questions that comes up at the end of the reading thing, was the intercutting of Jacob as a 90, maybe 93-year-old, even though he's 93. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas in the movie, it's much more fluid from start to finish, where we start in the present, go back to the past, stay in the past, stay in the past, stay in the past, come back to the present. Yeah, so, and end. Yeah. So what did you think of like Rosemary? And um uh, in particular, I guess if I guess what I'm most confused about, he just seemed so angry and it seemed like such a big setup when you know, well, the one guy says he worked for the circus and he, he brought water for the elephants, he's like <laughs> <laughs> no you did place you know and yeah. then all of a sudden it's like okay you're just a grumpy old man that hates everybody right and i think that's the thing it's like with the book going back and forth i think it was just like a nice uh kind of just breaking up to to keep us in engaged in that way i was like breaking up in, in a good way that like it, it kept the pace going back and forth because you can tell that this is just what he remembers but like this is his life now as a 90 year old he's dealing with his his grumpy other companions who are also just like <laughs> pardon this is like they're just old batty coots <laughs> you know he's like ah now these are the people i'm stuck with compared to the people that he actually got to hang out with at the circus who he actually did enjoy um so I, I maybe if the if we want to go like think of it as like oh that's another th reason why he liked the circus because his his current life right now is just so crap. <laughs> um, I I mean I didn't mind it 
because it was just a nice reminder. It's like, oh yeah, he's, it's just an old guy reflecting on happy times in his life. But also it's just like Joseph McGinty. I mean, kind of like a kind of a catalyst of him just re- recounting his days and, and the whole, oh, do you actually know how much water elephants drink? And that's like the whole <laughs> title of this book, Water for Elephants, is that people don't realize that elephants drink more water than what actual humans can carry in buckets. So uh, it gets to the point where elephants actually have to go and drink water themselves because they're not fully satiated yet. Uh, and I'm like, that's the takeaway of it but to, to answer your question about going back and forth now i didn't mind it yeah i didn't mind it um i just uh yeah by the end they really closed that loop in a nice way but throughout i was like okay where are we kind of going you, you know because he, he seemed if anything it felt counter productive to you know his arc like because he was you know he he seemed to like be this decent human being at the start. Then he'd seen some crap. And now, if anything, by the end, he seemed like a grumpy old man, like life had kind of beaten him down, you know? Which yeah. is interesting. Like, I understand that he could be upset at his kids because his kids aren't visiting him and this and that. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, it sounded like he lived the life that he wanted to live, you know? Like he got to be a very famous veterinarian, love his wife. They had five kids. You know, I understand yeah. the first one may, might have been an accident, but the other four seemed like it was, cons- you know, that let's have other kids. I don't know. Right, And we don't really see the the kids or, or the wife in, in his present 93-year-old self days either. So, I mean, it's not like he, like you said, had a terrible life, but it's also that I think he got to a point in his life. He's like, I need to do something. Um, oh, the circus is here. I enjoyed being part of the circus. Let me just keep me going. Keep me busy. Give me a job at the circus and I'll be happy again. Because <laughs> right now, just sitting at home in a nursing home, whatever, is like it's it's not enough for him. He needs to he needs stimulation in his life. He does. Um... Which I, I feel like a lot of people who are older you know, like when they get to that senior age, they're like, all right, how do I just keep myself busy? How do I keep active? And I think Jacob just got to the point where like, oh, yeah, just give me something to do. Let me pass my days doing this again. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think, you know, going back to that question that is raised in the book, there's quite a lot of questions at the end of this. Uh, I like I-, I like when books do that <laughs> sort of book club, you know, prompts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think. You know, I think we have this odd sense of looking at seniors as this degradation to society when, you know, they we all have a lot to offer, right? I hate the whole notion of like young kids don't know anything and old people are just batty and crazy or whatever, whatever you want to say. And it's like we all need each other. And there's a collective value um, that, yeah, I mean, you know, they took care of us essentially right certainly like simon i think that's the only name of one of the kids i remember and he was the firstborn so simon and so forth like the parents took care of him and now yeah you know they got to kind of it should be a privilege to take care of the elderly in some sense and and be able to share that wisdom right um to keep that sort of spirit alive so yeah i i think if anything that that was a big takeaway for me of 
yeah, we just need to treat the elderly a little bit better. Yeah, or like respect them just because they they might be grumpy now. It doesn't mean that like they had a full life before you. And um, it's it's that whole, you know, ageism thing where I feel like there's there's that disconnect between the older and the younger. It's that youngers, the younger people don't understand yet because they haven't been there. And and the adults are like, well, I lived a life so I know more than you. So I think it's just we we have to respect each other because we've all kind of we're still learning no matter where we are in our life or like we're still learning and experiencing life no matter what our age. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know, for some reason, it feels good to bring it up here. But uh, but as far as Sarah, I really appreciate the story of how she came to just be a writer in general, right? So she was a, a a technology writer and, you know, always kind of wanted to get into writing. And then her husband overall supported her. He's like, kind of it's now or never, essentially. Like, go for it for two years. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, like, you'll never know. Like, you keep punting it down the field. So, like, do it. And she did. And, like, that's amazing because... I mean, it wasn't just her husband, you know, they have kids and so forth. So there was that sort of notion she needs to support, you know, more than just herself and her husband. And her menagerie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. She does have quite a lot of animals as well. And I don't know. I just I just really like that story. Like it, it. It's really awe inspiring that she was able to go for it. Right. Um, And yeah, I'm sure it wasn't easy both financially and just writing and so forth. And I'm sure there were certain concessions, but for as much as I'm nitpicking the book, like I did enjoy the book. I thought her writing style is fantastic and and all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was definitely engaging. I, I actually cared about these, these characters because knowing that they could be thrown off a train at any second, I was like, no, don't throw Walter off the train. Don't throw this person off the train. And you're like, you, you actually care about these people. Um, because you know, for the most part, uh, despite August and and Uncle Al, but like these are good people who are just like you know doing their job and stuck in a sit uh, shit situation. Um, but and I think that as a writer, to get the um, the reader caring about all these side characters too, I think that's that is a testament to her writing. Because from a human level, we connected to them so much that we care about their well-being. Yeah, I mean, certainly Walter could have been very easy. Like, it is not convenient whatsoever for him and Jacob to do with it. And and it's not like Walter signed up to have Camel be here. And yet it's Camel who ultimately goes to such length. It's not. It's Walter who goes to such lengths for Camel to find his relatives to mm-hmm. figure this out, to keep him housed and so forth. And even gives up his own bed um, at nights for camel. So it, that's a complete, you know, I think when we talk about like the appearances, right. Initially Walter is made to be like this, you know, just grumpy person. And yet through his actions, he cares. And so he's complete opposite of August and uncle Al. Right. And I mean, it's always one of those things you can't judge a book by its cover because, yeah, they didn't start off well, but Walter actually ended up being one of the best friends towards Jacob. 
and they respected each other in that way. And Walter was one of the best people just on that train, taking care of Camel when he got paralyzed um, from drinking Jake and and like, um, you know, taking care of Camel, hiding him away, knowing that they're probably going to toss him off the train if he's immobile and unable to move and not being able to do his job. They're like, oh, well, let's get rid of him. So like just safety of other people. Like you respected Walter as a character too. You're like, all right, you're a good person. We need you around because you're also a person who's going to take care of these people. Because Uncle Alan August aren't doing that. Yeah, even though they say they were like, it quite literally, Walter's like, shut up, Camel. And like, as much as he's yeah. saying it, like, regardless of him saying those words, you know that obviously he loves him and he's doing what he can for the guy. Whereas Uncle Al is like, ah, you're all family. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Well push while I push you off the train. Yeah. Uh yeah. So like you, you get when you're reading this book, you can easily tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Um, or like the who's the good person. I don't I don't want to just engender it, uh, because Marlena Marlena was a good person too. Um, but like you, you can tell the the protagonist and antagonist. But then when it came to Walter, you couldn't really tell, but ultimately he was a, a good person too. Um, and I like that because you, you got a whole slew of different personalities in this book. and But they all actually stuck out and they're memorable. Yeah. So absolutely. it was it was a good ensemble, definitely, uh, in this story. Um, uh, was, I, I've it, never read... Yeah, no, sorry, you were... I was just going to say, we should, uh, we've kind of hinted at Rosie as just the character, but certainly... Um, I mean, she... Yeah. She takes, like, without her, there's no happy ending for Marlena and Jacob. Yeah, and so. I think it's because of Rosie where Marlena stayed, um, I guess you could say safer. It was kind of like, if Rosie was around, Marlena was still around. Um, because Rosie, again, with, like, we, we lost the star attraction of the horse so we, we need another thing to keep this circus going. Hence comes Rosie. But they can't understand Rosie or Rosie can't understand them because we ultimately find out that Rosie only takes commands in Polish <laughs> and uh, in Polish commands and stuff. And I, th- I thought that was a nice, interesting trait because even it shows that even Rosie is different in and of herself. And um, so to to have Rosie be a safe character, if we treat her right treat the animal correctly, then we can also treat Marlena right. If Rosie's happy, Marlena's happy. Yeah. And I, li- I like the aspect of Polish only because Polish is similar enough where I can understand it. So that was fun. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can <laughs> see that. Well, I don't know any. Uh, I don't know that language. So, um, But I, I thought that was cool because it's also really frustrating that you would think that the previous owner would tell them they're like oh yeah she she only understands these um this language but the her language barrier unfortunately was something that caused august to abuse her and you're like no don't an elephant which is like the nicest most maternal animal in the world and you're beating the crap out of her just because she's not following your orders like you fell for the animal yeah and i mean i what I took it to be was at that point, I mean, they're pillaging the other circus that went under. Right. And so 
it's one of those aspects of like, why would I help you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I also think I'd have to really go back and reread that section. But it's not like even even when August was there and getting like he wasn't happy to get the elephant. And when the guy was like passing Rosie off, it was August who was kind of very tense with him. I was like, just tell me what I need to know type of thing. And where the guy might have wanted to like reveal certain stuff because August was like, let's keep this moving, wrap it up type of thing. He's like, best of luck to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. That's that's the way in hindsight I interpret it. Yeah, I I, I saw it as like Rosie is now now we kind of have like the third fourth whatever character um that keeps them together it helped bring jacob and marlena closer together because they're both learning about rosie they're both trying to interact with her create this connection and that is what because they're both learning about rosie spending so much time together that's what's causing august all this jealousy be like oh no something's happening here but rosie because she's she is literally an innocent elephant like you have to feel for her too getting this you know unjustified abuse and that that was the thing like you know when jacob's talking about like uh it, it you know not like it's one thing to say like nothing literally happened between him and Marlena, but for him even internally to think like that people couldn't see an attraction, it's like, buddy, you know there's an attraction. Come on, mm-hmm. like who, who are you trying to kid here? These are your own internal thoughts. Like th- that's where I was like, just cut the BS, bro. Like you could say like, oh, I didn't know we realized that it was coming off in that way, or like it was so evident. It's like don't don't pretend. Like you, you made you literally verbalized it to Marlena. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was interesting for me. I guess it was, it was just also like you're just in such denial um, that they they have better chemistry than you guys do. Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I felt for Rosie. She really was. Um, she she kind of stole every scene for me when it came to reading her reading about her or even watching the film like oh rosie um especially like running away and stuff is like yeah okay freedom (laughs) go rosie um yeah i I did love and like and i love obviously you can tell with the movie that they used a fake animal because peter would be all over them if they used a real animal um well peter was still all over them unfortunately but you know i mean it's it's tough i'm i'm yeah, it, I mean, yeah, circus it's movies, tough where you draw the line with animals. Yeah, um, I don't know. But, watching I mean, it, that's what they had. They had real animals. Um, honestly, reading it was a lot more brutal than watching the movie. If I'm being yeah. honest, I, I think it's because you know you can when you're reading it, you can use your own imagination. You get more in depth, and they they also explain the the different canes that they use with the hook um, for the more actual physical altercation with Rosie and then once she was more compliant and actually understood c- commands they switched to a different type of cane which was really like more quote unquote humane but 
still, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree. Reading it was more brutal than watching it because, you know, watching the film, you can cut away and you can just leave it to the imagination of how bad it was. But, yeah, I fell for Rosie, though. <laughs> Poor animal. Yeah, yeah, it's always tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as the movie, they compressed a lot of the characters. Like I said, Uncle Al and Walter, or August, became one. Yeah. And even the beginning, like, they literally cut down all the old man stuff where we're pretty much how the book sort of ends is where we begin where you know he just finds himself at the circus then recounts the entire story and that's kind of how it works yeah yeah because even in the book uh, they like there's a whole search for him he's just a missing guy from and then there's the police aspect and even the the guy the young guy who found him at the circus is like, oh, it has to lie to the police. It's like, oh, no, this is my father. He's just, don't mind him, whatever. So I'm kind of glad that they cut that out because we didn't really need it. And yeah, it, it did, been doesn't really much. change the plot either. Yeah. So. Um, but ultimately, it got to the point where we know Uncle Al and August, they are bad characters. We have to stop them. What's the best way to stop them? Let's stop the circus. Let's release all the animals. And that ended up being like the historical moment of the circus where like, oh, you were there during the stampede? And I'd like to think that uh, Uncle Al and August both got their comeuppance, if you know what I mean. Karma got the best of them. I mean, that was the thing. Rosie, yeah, Rosie did them, you know. Oh, yeah. Getting trampled on by zebras. Not fun. Can't imagine. Oh. Um, and, and I think it was a, it, for me, it was a satisfactory just um, justice, I guess, where he treated animals so terribly that animals actually ended up being his death. Uh, yeah. You know, karma, man. Karma uh, so ultimately, India. I mean, that was, that was really the, the main story. So, and like this book had a lot of good reception, actually. Um, positive for the most part it was like number one bestseller in new york um they uh stephen king himself says for pure story this colorful headlong tale of depression era circus simply can't be beat heroes villains romance a wild animal stampede big fun from page one uh so like i mean come on stephen king uh so i mean there was a lot of positive um reviews from from the story and honestly it was it was engrossing it like it kept my attention the entire time i read this in like four hours it was like i really did actually enjoy it yeah no it was it, it certainly knew its world um and did it justice and yeah i mean if anything the brutality and so forth was evident um and like i said i mean the love story i enjoyed a couple of meandering nitpicks here and there but overall overall a good time so yeah i think it did a good job of uh bringing us into the circus world and the harshness of it and like actually highlighting it in in a fairly tasteful way i guess you can say where we, we can respect what happens and how much hard work gets put in the circus but also um you have to feel for the people who are part of it too yeah and uh, I liked it. It was it was a different world that I didn't know of and not exposed to. And I learned more about circus reading from this book than I would in the real world. So 
All right. And with that, maybe just like to end it on a, a little fun note, um, as per our last discussion, uh, the, uh, well, actually, our our next books that we're reading, Making History, which is your choice by which Carolyn C. Which is not C. a history book. Not a history book. Uh, Carolyn C. And then uh, we have You Meet U.S. in June. And then you also chose Imagining Argentina. I've never heard of this book. I have not either. You know, I saw it in in a, a small local bookstore, and I was like, "This is a cool cover. I'm going to judge the book by its cover." There you go. Uh, that's fun. And I chose uh, mine for August, Prodigal Summer, because it will still be summertime by Barbara Kingsolver, because that's a story that I heard is really good and haven't read it yet. And I think that's you know apropos for being the summer. And, you know, you and I, it, not just those upcoming books, but reread books in between. Um, what have, besides, you know, Water for Elephants, have you read any fun, interesting books? So I've been doing nonfiction. So I read New Silk Roads, um, which is an interesting, fascinating look at kind of trade relations and geopolitics in the modern world um, and kind of highlights where we're at today, how we got here, and perhaps where we're going. So, I, you know, a very fascinating look at, at, at a lot of that stuff. And then one of my new favorite books, Humans, A Brief History of How We Fucked It Up. How We <laughs> Fucked It All Up. Um, very, it's like Mary Poppins says, you know, um, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And mm-hmm. it is a very history-related book but it does it in such a comedic way. And it's just so eye-opening of how idiotic we can be and how we assume we know more than we think we know by, by, by far. When in fact, we don't. We're idiots. And maybe we just need to be a little bit humbled and we'd be okay because of that. I, I, I truly love this book. All right. Uh, no, I've never heard any of those, so I'm always open for book suggestions in that way. I think the last few books that I've read were uh, book two and three of The Poppy Wars, uh, The Dragon Republic, and The Burning God. Oh my god, so good. So good. Uh, also, a satisfactory yet unfortunate ending. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't fully read it. But I was, as a reader who read all three books now, oh my god, so fucking good. I would definitely reread it. There's definitely a rereadable factor to it. You can read it again and still enjoy it. Um, Other books that uh, I'm currently in the middle of Wool by Hugh Howey. Um, There's an Apple Plus series coming out called Silo. It's based on this book series um the first one is called bull and then uh also um i was reading the book thief that book by um yeah i don't know if you've read it but so i've I've just been bouncing in between different books as one does uh so yeah those are the most current ones and i've enjoyed it and of course reading another uh kazu ishiguro book because it's kazuo and who doesn't love him is, so, it, yeah. is it the one that's in theaters? Actually, no. I'm I'm reading uh, The Unconsoled, which was a 1995 book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm in the middle of that one as well. So, oh, cool. you know, I also did read The Art busy. of the Matrix, which was uh, I saw in the library. And it's, you know, you would think it's just an art book, but it's actually very 
well detailed with all the artists notes and interviews and so forth that it is it's a very thick book and it's a very full book i will say i read i didn't just look at it for the artwork i look i really read everything and as much as i know the matrix it uh, went even deeper down the rabbit hole uh-huh. that's awesome yeah. that's awesome well thank you everyone for tuning in as always reading along with us we have like i said the the, the previous books that we have coming down the pipeline for us keep reading keep watching and uh yeah we will see you for our next book Bye.